This is a podcast about rejecting tyranny and oppression by cultivating both systemic and individual change. I believe the only way to create this kind of monumental change is to inspire understanding, love, and kindness. From there, we can work to embody these essential values in our cultural systems and in our individual lives. My hope is that by effectively communicating with anyone and everyone, we can establish a shared vision for humanity and explore new ways of living to build a better world for all of us. I'm your host, Nathan Jones, and this is The Kindness Rebellion. Dimitri, thank you so much for coming on to The Kindness Rebellion. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, come into your home and uh, talk about psychedelics and uh, plant medicine and uh, entheogenic substances. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Um, so I'd love to kind of just get started by having you um, introduce both yourself as well as the decriminalized nature movement, um, just so that we can kind of uh, get an understanding of your background and everything like that. And then I'm also really interested to jumpstart the conversation by understanding the difference between decriminalizing a substance versus uh, legalizing a substance. So, sure. Uh, so a little bit about, about myself and the organization, right? Um, which one should I start with? Oh, go ahead. Whichever. Yeah. Uh, well, so myself personally, um, I don't know where to begin. I mean, I had a normal childhood, right? Like mm -hmm. I grew up here in Utah, um, just outside of Salt Lake City. Uh, I was raised LDS. And then um, as I kind of fell out of the church and found my own faith, like I, I started working with plant medicine, uh, psychedelics. Uh, I think the first time that I uh, ingested psychedelic mushrooms, I was 15. Wow. Uh, and yeah, I mean, kind of just from there, like the, the relationship with plants and medicine uh, fungi grew. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I personally kind of went through my own existential crises, <laughs> mm -hmm. like growing up as an individual, uh, falling away from the church, kind of being the black sheep of the family, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd, I'd say about the age of 24, uh, I found myself down in the heart of Colombia, mm. uh, working with ayahuasca mm -hmm. and, um, finding my way, uh, into that space and becoming initiated to formally facilitate and pour the medicine for others. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really kind of a fascinating experience, very serendipitous, uh, you know, kind of like people talk about having their own, their, like their awakenings, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, that was kind of one of those things for me. Uh, I had been asking for a lot of guidance in my life and, mm -hmm. uh, been, you know, looking for, uh, a purpose and my purpose, I guess, you know, in life. And, and I think that's something that's, uh, you know, a lot of people call that a vocation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, finding my vocation, uh, I found it in the, in the heart of Colombia, like working with ayahuasca and, uh, receiving the messages, the lessons, the channelings, like whatever it is that you, uh, ascribe to as an individual, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, started really listening to uh, myself and to the plants and to, I think, that intuitive guidance that comes from deepening ourselves into meditation and, yeah. and you know, relationship with the self. And, um, yeah, I mean, as as time went on and, I, and I, I found myself, you know, furthering my initiation into plant medicine and to ayahuasca specifically, um, <clears throat> it was around 2019 that... Um, decriminalized nature as, uh, as an organization being located in Oakland. So they were de decriminalized nature Oakland at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, they had, uh, decriminalized 
like all plant medicines being entheogenic plant medicines, including uh, DMT containing plants, wow. um, grasses, and like other other DMT containing barks like mimosa and all, mm-hmm. like anything that contained DMT, right? Yeah. So I was like, wow, yeah. you know, like shocked uh, that that had even happened because, you know, for living in an underground world for um, almost half my life, right? Like I started working with plant medicine, like I would say around the age of 15 when I first, like when I had my first, you know, psychedelic entheogenic experience with, mm-hmm. with mushrooms and then, um, you know, always kind of being seen or having that be seen as something on the fringe or mm-hmm. uh, taboo or yeah, like illegal, or like delinquent, or delinquent. Like you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, seeing that that ha- that had happened, I was shocked. Just like, wow, like this is happening. Like my deepest, darkest dreams, want most wonderful, you know, mm-hmm. filled dreams of uh, life and purpose in life started coming to reality. You know, and. Um, you know, there's pieces of this that I could talk about being serendipitous, um, you know, and, and watching the universe like manifest my reality for mm-hmm. me. And people talk about the law of attraction and the yeah. secret and all these things. And, you know, like um, I had gotten into, you know, my own awakening and experience as an individual and understanding um you know, like reality creation as being something that uh, that is based in frequency and it's based in understanding and awareness mm-hmm. of self. And so like, you know, and then, and then we see and hear about like these sages and these monks that talk about um, the universe or the exterior is just like a reflection of your inner world mm-hmm. and all these things. And uh, it really became apparent to me that there were some things that were shifting in the world. And um, that's when, you know, like I said, that the when DNO uh, initially had their, their decrim resolution pass, it was pretty apparent to me that uh, the organization had some things figured out mm. uh, when it comes down to um, speaking with elected officials or, um, you know, doing what I would consider to be the work, mm-hmm. you know, like the great work surrounding these plants and these medicines and, and creating education and access, you know, framework for elected officials to start to educate themselves surrounding, uh, you know, the difference between decriminalization and legalization. You yeah. Know? And, so and, like, and what is that difference? Because I, I think that's a very important part for people to understand because, you know, anytime I try to talk about decriminalization efforts, um, most people are like, ah, yeah, well, they will decriminalize uh, all drugs or they make legalize all drugs in like Oregon or even just they don't fully understand the decriminalize initiative. Mm-hmm. So what is that distinction there? Yeah. So, I mean, like overall, um, I mean, the the like the the distinction you know just kind of briefly is um like decriminalization is is basically i'll give it to you in the form of a metaphor mm-hmm. um we're driving down i15 mm-hmm. right um we both have mushrooms in our pockets <laughs> as we do right <laughs> um and say like it's legalized mm-hmm. right um, and you have a card or a prescription that gives you permission to have that, you know, substance or those those things on your person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get pulled over. Cop searches us. We'll say all that's like legal and, and prosperous and right. Um, I go to jail. You don't. Oh. That's legality. That's legalization. Because I don't because I don't have a card. I don't have the recommendation. Mm. Um, now decriminalization, right? Like flat out 
blatant decriminalization is like treating it like apples and oranges. It's like mm-hmm. tre- treating it like uh, tomatoes, mm-hmm. right? Like I can go grow it in my garden and I don't have to worry about the DEA breaking down my door mm-hmm. or a state like, you know, enforced task force, drug task force that, you know, comes in and decides or determines that the substance that I have is illegal based upon, you know, the Controlled Substance Act, which mm-hmm. is, you know, surrounding um, efficacy for medical, you know, um, viability, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, decriminalization is, is more based in surrounding, um, what I would consider to be like a, you know, spiritual indigenous cultural basis. Mm. Um, think about it. Like, uh, when we were like before all of the bureaucratic red tape and, um, late stage capitalism, yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, came into our world, um, like, uh, for instance, like the, 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 most of the indigenous cultures of the world, they don't, they don't have a monetary, uh, system, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't operate from, uh, like a monetary perspective of like capitalism or anything like that. They yeah. live in harmony with the earth. Mm. Um, and this is a lot of what, you know, plants have taught me and fungi have taught me, um, about living in harmony with the earth. But that's the thing is that, um, when we start to bring these plants and these fungi, these medicines, cacti, uh, into Western civilization, um, and we have uneducated individuals who don't understand the relationships that have been shared with these plants for thousands and thousands of years, mm. uh, we start to look at, you know, uh, instances like Oregon, yeah. we start to see, um, these clinical therapeutic models that get created um without uh you know upfront decriminalization and lockstep surrounding uh community-based access Mm. um and treating it as such right yeah so there are a few different models that seem to be arising in uh in the united states and we can dip into that um you know as the conversation expands and things but um, in reality, yeah, like the, the, the difference between decriminalization and legalization is very important to understand, mm-hmm. you know, as, as part of the narrative and as an individual coming into this space, uh, depending on what side of the fence you're on and that mm-hmm. fence being, um, you know, the, the definition for the self between medical, clinical, therapeutic models, if one person or a person believes that the only you know, people who should have access to this, you know, should have to go through a rec- like a doctor's recommendation, yeah. should have to go through like a state run program mm-hmm. to get access and pay a fee. Mm-hmm. Like that paying a fee is really important to kind of pay attention to because that again is late stage capitalism. I, I am really happy that you brought this up because I actually did want to kind of talk to you about that because I, I have sort of seen that decriminalization efforts seem to be more about, okay, let's stop funding police action let's stop funding militant action against certain certain substances and certain things and it's time to just like allow people to um access it on their own and then it frees up that space for that communal action like you're saying because really what i've seen especially I, i'm pretty sure it's been like in california oregon that west coast area anytime uh you know a substance is uh, fully legalized it really means that it's being commodified and commercialized right it's really just opening it up uh, to 
powerful and well-funded interests, pharmaceutical, company. pharmaceutical companies, exactly, to treat it as just some other thing to be making profit off of. And I think what's so important about psychedelic substances specifically is that it's just not, it's not really supposed to be in any way, shape or form a profitable venture, at least in, in terms of like economic profit and this sort of monetary system that you're referring to. Because I, I really see it as more of a, like a personal uh, experience and a personal awakening and something that's just meant to be, um, have something that's meant to have that everybody needs to have access to in order to awaken themselves and, um, unlock their full potential. Yeah. I mean, like, um, a few things, you know, like, uh, Terrence McKenna said that, mm -hmm. uh, psychedelic, like psychedelics will never be institutionalized, mm. right. Just as starting off, like, it's yeah. like such a, you know, um, it dissolves, teacher, in, yeah, it dissolves know. institutions. <laughs> yeah, like, well, it dissolves uh, cultural barriers and, mm. and, and you know, some of the foundations that I, I believe that people uh, operate on and to kind of help them cleanse and renew their, their paradigms and their lenses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but a couple of the other things, you know, that you mentioned, it, it, it seems like, um, you know, like the, the commodification of these plants and these medicines comes from a, like, I mean, it stems into a lot of different aspects of the psyche, you mm -hmm. know, and, and kind of like what you mentioned is, um, like, it, it seems that I would have to be like buying my soul back almost from an individual <laughs> oh, to have my healing. God. Right. That's like exactly yeah, what it is. Exactly <laughs> what it is. Right. Because of, like of the, of the nature of these experiences, they're so uh, illuminating mm -hmm. and mysterious and, um, deeply what I profound. would, um, yeah, deeply profound, you know, like mystical, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I mean, if we go back into some of the, how to say this, like, like the histories, like the history books, you know, like, and mm -hmm. look at Eleusis, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what Eleusis was or I'm not is. actually. Um, like the, the foundations and, and experiences or mysteries of Eleusis were, um, like, how to say this, like paramount in, um, some of the most growth that we've seen in philosophy. Like, I mean, Marcus Aurelius had his, um, initial experiences at the, at, at like in Eleusis being like a, like a place, um, where he eventually derived, uh, meditations out of like mm. the, the book meditations, right? Okay. Like the writings meditation that, mm. uh, that Marcus Aurelius wrote as being, um, you know, proems or, um, you know, like pieces of like contemplation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it, it's a really fascinating, you know, concept when we start to understand like how these medicines were stripped out of our societies mm. and why they were stripped out of our societies. Yeah. Um, and now kind of where we're coming from is being, you know, a, uh, a community that has awakened themselves, mm -hmm. um, that has, you know, fallen, uh, or sprung into action, you know, from that awakening and recognizing also, you know, the importance of, of protecting uh, equitable, safe, sustainable access for mm. all communities, not, not just, um, you know, the rich and wealthy and the prosperous or the people who have life and health insurance. I mean, mm. sure, I, could, I can go get Obamacare, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if Obamacare is going to pay for me to have, you know, that experience because like then we have like five to 10 years of red tape, bureaucratic mm. red tape where, you know, the, like the lobbyists and the senators and they have to go through and they have to yeah. talk about it. And then there's the committees and there's all the things and then mm -hmm. it becomes never what we want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and really just in, in, in the, I think the, the reality of it is, is that when we decriminalize these plants and these uh, medicines, 
what we're doing is we're empowering um, pathways of education. We're mm. empowering pathways uh, and framework for equitable, safe, sustainable access mm. that doesn't commodify, that doesn't look like extractive-based capitalism mm. um, or late-stage capitalism. Um, and looking at you know the how to how to say this like the the sovereignty that we find, especially deeply inside of these medicines, right? Yes. Like they're so liberating from um, the past and from um, our traumas, our woundings, and mm -hmm. and honestly, I would I would I would debate or argue, however you want to say that, that um, that is the purpose of these medicines. Oh yeah, right. Like it is it is like they are there to assist us with um, with with the the deeper spiritual healing that mm -hmm. comes from. Um, you know, from having trauma, from experiencing mm -hmm. generational trauma that's yeah. passed on from, from, you know, our lineages and our birth and mm -hmm. our parents. And I mean, our parents did as the best that they could. Yeah. Right. Like that makes sense. I, I really love that you brought that up. And I think this is something we should really dive into because um, I think most people, when they think about psychedelic plants and substances, they're often thinking of it as a party drug or some sort of just like a recreational use, which I mean, I suppose people can use it that way, but I, what I love about decriminalized nature is the focus on its healing aspects yeah, I mean, on the value like, of it as a medicine. One thing I think is important here to kind of delineate for our listeners is that, you know, th there is a difference between psychedelics and entheogens. Mm. Um, decriminalized nature, I would say, um, advocates for uh, more plant-based entheogens, right? Like okay, natural yeah. medicines that come mm -hmm. from the earth that... Uh, don't require extensive alteration or synthesis. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, I think anybody uh, could argue that everything is natural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, I mean, Dennis McKenna, and you know, he he says that everything is drugs. I, I agree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but um, when we really start to look at um, how to like the the synthesis or um, how some of these you know, molecular chemical drugs, more, you know, uh, like isolated. manufactured, well manufactured. Yeah. I mean, but, um, they were, they require, they like, they leave room for corruption, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, there could be, you know, somebody who missteps or, mm -hmm. um, I mean, for instance, like LSD, um, mm -hmm. there is a vast, um, you know, reporting of people that received NBOME versus LSD, oh. uh, and NBOM is what they're called. Mm -hmm. Uh, completely different substance. Um, a lot of people would, you know, who are of the lower caliber black market drug dealer kind mm -hmm. of, you know, the, who doesn't care about your well-being. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll purchase NBOME knowingly and then sell it as LSD. And, um, you know, like those types of things can cause real harm. Yeah. Like, um, LSD, it has been argued that is, it is one of the most, it is like one of the safest, uh, like molecules on the face of the planet for the mm -hmm. human body to intake, like wow. non-toxic. Yeah. Right. Um, what's that say for like the mental <laughs> aspect, like emotional aspect? Yeah. Like lots of different things, like lots of things can happen in that space, but as far as like, you know, like physically like toxic to the body, yeah. like absolutely non-toxic. Right. Um, but the you know the after effects of like an n-bomb like n-u-m-e um can cause like bell's palsy type right like mm -hmm. reactions in some people's where like they're like half their face will go numb and like mm -hmm. half their tongue will like droop and they experience like stroke-like symptoms and wow. stuff and like really yeah. dangerous right and so there's lots of room for corruption that mm -hmm. shows up in those uh isolated molecules right mm -hmm. like um and this isn't to say that they're not therapeutic or healing or anything like that like but 
uh, more importantly is that uh, nature is incorruptible in that mm. sense. I feel like like um, like up until the point of where man uh, gets involved and starts like I don't know if I yeah I don't know fucking with stuff yeah I don't know if I can curse on this one yet. Oh, you definitely so, can. Yeah, yeah. So like like you know up until the point of where man starts fucking with everything. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and that's where corruption starts to kind of come into the creation. That whatever whatever it is that is ongoing, if somebody has impure intentions, then that's kind of what we're looking at. But I mean, when you find a mushroom, mm-hmm. like growing, yeah, like if that mushroom grew naturally and it looks healthy, that and, mushroom, and you know your stuff, you, you do have to know your nuts. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, I mean, that's like a designated psilocybin mushroom, right? And yes. it's like identified as knowing, like, yes. that mushroom grew, like, and it doesn't look sickly. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's struggling with bacteria or any kind of like mold or like exterior mm-hmm. like bugs or mm-hmm. like whatever you know. And it just looks like this perfect little mushroom. You eat that thing. Like there's hardly any kind of negative side effect that you're going to have from like a physical reaction. I mean, yeah. assuming that you're not allergic to mold or, or, yeah. or mushrooms, right? At least not lasting. Um, I mean, you might get nauseous or something, but at the end of the day, like you're, you're going to find yourself and you're going to find yeah. some deep meaning. Yeah. I mean, a disclaimer, you know, like do your research, make mm-hmm. sure you're, you know, you're safe if you're out there doing uh, like forays and stuff like mushroom mm-hmm. hunting and gathering, like um, some mushrooms can and will kill you yeah. the first time you eat them. <laughs> uh, do not fuck around with nature. Yes. Um, I but, think I was sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I, I think that's a really valuable distinction though. Cause not only is like the manufactured uh, isolates and um, you know, distillations of these kinds of substances, uh, it does open up for corruption, but I think, also in sort of like a therapeutic and a very spiritual sense, like the when you ingest a substance that came from nature or like one that you cultivated yourself, um, you have such a, a deeper and meaning more meaningful connection to it. Yeah. And it, it just has, I feel like it's so much easier to honor it as well. Um, and it, there's a really, it, it, make, it means so much more than if you're just going to a store and purchasing it necessarily. Um, and I think, the my my personally my favorite part of the decriminalized nature movement is just the idea that you're opening up space for people to have that own access themselves mm-hmm. so that they can you know grow their own substance and then ingest it in uh in a meaningful way in an honorable way yeah i mean that like this is our grow gather gift model is what we call it oh right. yeah can you explain uh, a little more yeah i mean it's basically just open source access like we were talking about like mm-hmm. uh, with tomatoes basically right yeah. like um this doesn't necessarily like um allow for people to sell, um, you know, mushrooms or, um, have, um, there's a word for it. Um, I guess just, yeah, I mean, just being paid for, for the transaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, but, um, I think it's called remuneration. I think that's what, that's that's the word that I'm looking for. It's like payment, right? Like Uh payment for services or goods, remuneration. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't condone like our grow gather myth, like uh, grow gather gift model doesn't necessarily condone for you know like um, that type of exchange. Uh, what we you know advocate for is you know uh, grow gather gifting, mm. right? So like um, there's it's like a gifting economy. Yeah, well, gifting economy, but it it it's it's more connected to the community. Um, it leaves more room for um, I think honest heart based you know uh, giving versus. Um, you know, setting a, you know, uh, high value ticket, you know, or whatever for, mm-hmm. uh, for access. Um, and, you know, the thing is, is that when we start looking at, um, you know, for instance, like psilocybin, right? Like um, being like, if like when, when, because it's going to happen, it's inevitable mm-hmm. um, that 
the FDA eventually gets a hold of this and these these types of molecules and, and begins producing them. And then we see the pharmaceutical, like Marinol, you mm-hmm. know, kind yeah. of thing for cannabis. But um, psilocybin, like synthetic psilocybin, we're looking at projected costs of like five to $10,000 a gram. Jeez. A gram. That's so stupid. Right? So like, um, I mean, like anywhere from like 30 to 50 milligrams is active for an mm-hmm. individual of like the, of the isolated molecule that is mm-hmm. psilocybin, right? So, I mean, you know, you're looking at, I mean, if it's like 50 milligrams, uh, you know, you're looking at, what is that, like 200 doses wow. within that gram, mm-hmm. right? Um, something like that. But um, the manufacturing costs are just so high that it's just, and it's also going to have to turn a profit in order for them to invest yeah. into it. And yeah. and it's so stupid because you could just grow it for, I don't know, like Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the thing is, is absolutely. <laughs> that, I mean, the thing is, is that we we still don't understand or fully understand the the nature of the way that, for instance, like psilocybin mushrooms work or facilitate mm. the mystical experiences that they do because yeah. um, a lot of these mushrooms contain more than just psilocybin. Yeah. Right? They mm-hmm. contain... Uh, Bayocystin, so uh, like so like yeah, like psilocin or um, psilocin, I think is what you call mm-hmm. that, like different, like tomato, tomato. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and then um, like yeah, I mean, so, so, so there's 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 many different you know alkaloids that come in that entourage effect, is what it's mm-hmm. called. You know, from yeah. from that natural um, factory that is a mushroom. Yes. Right, like natural based factory. And this is actually something I, I'm really excited to get into because, you know, uh, with Western medicine, it's always like they try to find some sort of like site of like, I don't know, like activation or like they essentially say you are experiencing depression. This only helps depression because this molecule is affecting this molecule. And so they just want to say, we're just going to isolate this one molecule and give it to you. Um, and then your depression is going to be fine now. But like you said, this ensemble effect is so much more profound. It's it's also like a very deeply meaningful and personal experience where it's not the actual substance that's making the difference. It's your, your perception, your interpretation, your, your, your personal experience of these, of these events, at least in my experience. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I think that's like, um, you know, the personal lens that we all experience our paradigms through. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, like more, more to the point, like the entourage effect that, that I'm talking about is just like the, um, the several different, um, you know, molecules or alkaloids that are active inside mm-hmm. of the mushroom itself that um, that most likely um, create and facilitate, you know, certain parts of the journey that, um, mm. that like psilocybin can't because yeah. it is an isolated molecule. That's a good point. Um, that is a really good point. You know, and, and I think that, um, I think that we don't really know like mm-hmm. fully what, um, what psilocybin being an isolated molecule is mm-hmm. capable of. Um, so this is like, we're not bashing it. It's just yeah. like, um, there's no established history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we go we back into, it. um, well, not even that. I mean, it's like, we go back into, um, you know, the history books and we see, um, you know, many different cultures from around the world that have utilized, you know, psilocybin mushrooms as being, uh, a sacrament, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. um, for, for millennia. Yeah. So like we have co-evolved with some of these plants mm-hmm. and fungi and cacti. I mean, like, um, like ayahuasca, I mean, is called the grandmother of all plants, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, and wachuma, I mean, or peyote, um, like wachuma is uh, San Pedro cactus, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, peyote is its own. Um, but um, a lot of the uh, American Indians and Native Americans of the, of the of the North and South Americas, they understand that, um, these medicines that they, they contain certain energies, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, yeah. divine grandmother energy or like, you know, feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And then, 
uh, with ayahuasca and, and these types of things or um, more children, childlike, you know, and like energy with like with mushrooms. Mm -hmm. they, like mushrooms are also known as los niños in mm -hmm. uh, in in the Mazatec culture and mm -hmm. things. Um, and then like, you know, we, we see peyote as being the grandfather. Interesting. Right? Okay. Yeah. So there are, there are many different reasons to, to, you know, create, um, you know, these types of moments for conversations and, and experiences for people to educate them on, like mm -hmm. themselves on, because, um, you know, the, the important, um, the important parts of this, uh, these medicines I think are, are found in the culture. Oh yeah. Uh, they're found in the traditions. They're found in, um, the stewardship that was held for those millennia during mm -hmm. our, our years and years of evolution, like co-evolution with yeah. these plants and fungi and cacti. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when we look at, you know, these clinical medical therapeutic models, I mean, sure. Science is wonderful, mm -hmm. right? Like they're not bashing science at all, but, um, I think it's just, I think it would be naive, short-sighted almost yeah. to, Reductive. Uh, yeah, to, mm -hmm. to ignore, you know, these, these cultures that have practiced and used these medicines and plants for thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of years without the need for a licensed medical doctor or nurse practitioner to be in the room to check your pulse every <laughs> yeah. five to 10 minutes to make sure that you're alive. Like, exactly. Right? Like just give it, people the freedom to, to experience this. And then I, I love how you're, like very explicitly pointing out that we do need to understand and honor the cultures that have had stewardship over these substances for so long. Um, and, and this is kind of a tangent in its own. Cause I've, I've heard some uh, like of some indigenous cultures being a little nervous about like legalization or decriminalization in that they, they are worried that that space will be sort of colonized. Mm -hmm. um, do you know if there's any sort of, well, I'm, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, so myself personally, like I've, I've, I've been accepted into um, the Inga uh, lineage of the Putumayo and down in Colombia, oh, right? Wow. Like um, these are uh, like a people that trace their lineage all the way back to the Ingas, mm -hmm. like uh, in, you know, um, pre-Columbia and in and, and Peruvian, you know, um, history or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. anthropology. Um, you know, and, and as far as the lineage that I'm associated with, and as far as the lineage, like that they're like what they what they're concerned with is they want to make sure that um, they are included in the conversation more mm -hmm. than anything, right? Like, yeah. um, and that there is partnership, right? Like there is a prophecy that's um, that's that's known as the Eagle Condor prophecy, right? Mm. Um, I can't remember who gave the prophecy, but. Uh, it, it goes, you know, something to the extent of understanding that the people of the North, like um, here in North America, like the, the people that, that have the eagle is their, their bird, right? Mm -hmm. The condor is typically found in South America and parts of the Andes, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that the people of the North have uh, like abundance, mm. right? Like um, the ability to create abundance. Mm -hmm. And the people of the South, um, the condor, like, right, um, they have uh, medicine. And so there is an exchange that happens between the people of the North and the people of the South in order to honor the, like the original treaties or, mm -hmm. or treatises that have been created throughout the peoples and the original peoples of this planet, mm -hmm. uh, understanding the stewardship that we have as humans uh, over and with, not over, but with Mother Nature, mm -hmm. right? Because... Um, when we when we dip into these like extractive based models, we are actively deconstructing our relationship to nature. Yes, um, and that's very dangerous. Yeah, um, we start to kind of dip into um, you know cybernetics or Elon Musk's of yeah. the world. Like, I mean, like again, you know, there's nothing wrong with technology, um, but I think. 
protecting, um, you know, some of the most ancient technologies like that have existed on this planet for thousands and thousands of years mm -hmm. that interface with our consciousness Yes. Um, in the most original <laughs> metaverse <laughs> you could ever call like the universe, yeah. right? Or, or the cosmos in this, in this earthly experience. Um, but, uh, you know, there is sacredness that is in, in these, in these medicines and in these traditions and, and these practices that I think gets lost in, um, in like, you know, the clinical sterile models that, um, that some people, uh, have created, you know, as, uh, as a basis for commodification mm -hmm. to experience that palliative care mm -hmm. within Western allopathy. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we start to look at, you know, the, the relationships that these original peoples have had with these plants and fungi and cacti for thousands and thousands of years again, right? Like there was no need to have like a, like a licensed like NP, like an LPN or mm -hmm. an, like a, like an RN or an MD in the room, you know, or to have those clinical based trials because we co-evolved with them mm -hmm. and we understood set and setting and mm -hmm. these traditions and these cultures have um, protected those those teachings and that and that wisdom for for all time immemorial, mm -hmm. um, and the the difference is I think really understanding like our connection to nature, mm -hmm. um, and that's you know I think partial to the reason why we chose decriminalized nature as being yeah. the organization's like title, mm -hmm. um, and it's because um, we understand that when we reconnect and harmonize with the earth. Um, we remember our roots, we remember our natural compassion-based stewardship over and with one another to ensure that, you know, that we are co-creating and that we're not taking from one another and mm -hmm. that we're creating balance and harmony versus imbalance and destruction, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's one of the biggest things that I think that we see in, in capitalism is the disparity that comes in our communities um, from people who uh, are less than or that yeah. don't have access um, because they don't have the $250 to go and pay to, you know, truce or Greenleaf or whatever mm -hmm. for their medical card recommendation. Yeah, and they get recognized. Yeah. Just to be allowed. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, this is the, like, this is the major difference between like actual sovereignty, mm. like empowering the self to mm -hmm. educate, like with education and information to be able to, to like to decide for the self mm -hmm. versus, um, the mass formation psychosis that shows up for individuals who just want to be governed by the, by the government and be told yeah. what to do because they're not comfortable thinking for themselves. Yes. Um, and that's dangerous, it is, right? Yeah. I mean, this is what we saw throughout the entire pandemic is mm -hmm. just, I mean, the masks, like, um, the, the vaccines, like, and, just, and like whatever you chose, right. It does not matter to me. It matters only to you and your creator between you and like you and your creator, you know, and, um, it's just like, this fear-based reaction and kind of a manipulation, like, like an outsource control. of your sovereignty, like yeah. you're saying. Like, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I was just going to I really love that, especially the, the focus on kind of the communing with nature and the unification with nature and that focus there, specifically because like these substances are just so good at doing that anyways. They're mm -hmm. so good at helping you understand how you are fundamentally a part of nature and you yeah. are fundamentally a part of everything else. And so like, where our culture and our society is really trying our best, or I, I want to say we're trying our best to, um, yeah, right. Some of us <laughs> are trying our best to, uh, 
make changes in the climate and trying to like reshape our ecology and and reinvest ourselves back into the world and understand that we are a part of the world and, and just combating climate change in general, I feel like these substances can be a very integral part of that because of the way it helps us remember how we are nature and how we are fundamentally a part of nature and how uh, we have to work with it and understand that taking care of nature is taking care of ourselves as well. And so I, I really like that you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, and like, um, just to kind of, uh, present, I guess, like the slogan or mantra of yeah. decriminalized nature, right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's remember, remembering our roots, Ooh, yeah. right. Like, mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing is that like when we dip into capitalism and that extractive based nature of our reality and and we start taking from one another we mm -hmm. like we lose compassion and yes um you know joe down the street that like you know struggles with a heroin addiction and is homeless or unsheltered and mm -hmm. wants to get off the drugs but can't because he doesn't have the the ability to from you know the red tape or the mm -hmm. clinical pathways or whatever insurance you know all these things um, this is where we offer what we like to call the community-based ceremonial model, mm. right? Where it's like this. part of this grow, gather, gift, you know, mm -hmm. society and culture where um, we understand and recognize that everybody deserves healing, mm -hmm. right? And um, healing, like I, I, I still have a problem with paying for healthcare. Like mm -hmm. even if it's from, you know, IHC or whatever, like even if I have a cold mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's really just based it, like out of, I think, you know, my understanding of the Hippocratic Oath yeah. and understanding that doctors and people who serve in that medical profession, um, that it is a responsibility and an honor to serve the other in helping them, you know, find their healing and, and helping that individual create their own healing, right? Yeah. And this is a major, um, you know, differentiation, I think, between Western allopathy and some of these more indigenous uh, teachings that surround um, these plant medicines specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, uh, you know, basically giving my power away to an external entity, entity to heal me mm -hmm. versus me realizing how to heal myself. Yeah. Right. And, and this is a lot of what... Um, you know, these plants and these fungi, uh, cacti create is a very deep, um, profound introspection of self, you know, mm -hmm. that we can, um, self-identify with our own ailments, uh, our own dis-ease, mm -hmm. right. That, that manifests in the body. And, um, depending upon what lineage, uh, you work with, um, like real lineage, there are some lineages that are out there that are just uh, charlatan, you know, mm -hmm. like they just want to capitalize off the ayahuasca tourism. Yeah. Um, and you see a lot of that in Peru and, um, certain places, That's um, so you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, to some extent, you know, mm -hmm. but like also like, I think, I think a lot of it really just kind of comes down to. Um, personal identification with the self, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think if the if the individual is really looking for, um, you know, something pure, they'll find it. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like that's part of the intention based reality that I think that we live in and how we manifest our worlds, yeah. right? Like, just from experience and and uh, progressing. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's very important to to maintain uh, and it, like that that personal sense of empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like that's the other piece that we that we kind of advocate for is that there is a major delineation between the decriminalized nature approach to fundamentals, like the fundamentals of society mm -hmm. versus the current societal approach and how, um, like how people base their experience of reality. You know, I mean, whether it's, um, 
you know, within their ego, um, decriminalized nature is, is more o like open sourced where the current societal approach is exclusive, privatized, like privatized. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, looking at like, uh, different like aspects of, uh, of education and these types of frameworks, like, right. Like we open, we advocate for open source education where, mm -hmm. um, you know, if people want to educate themselves, they can educate themselves and feel free in that empowerment, right. And finding that sovereignty versus, um, you know, having to consistently subvert their power to a medical professional or licensed professional where in reality, like there's nothing wrong with that. And, yeah. and we as an organization don't see anything wrong with people who want to go the therapeutic route. Um, but it's important to understand that, that, um, that, that these people aren't healing you, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're healing yourself through, through personal empowerment and education mm -hmm. and information and, uh, choosing for yourself. And, and that is a lot of what these plants teach and these mm -hmm. medicines teach just through the, just from the experience themselves. Yeah. Right. So, um, there's so much that I think really, um, hope that like the, like the decriminalization of these plants and these fungi and cacti, um, does for our communities in helping them to not only reintegrate into our societies, mm -hmm. um, but be cared for and stewarded with, um, as we have, you know, in, in growing the traditions and the cultural, uh, lineages that have held these medicines as being sacred and understanding that there are individuals out there that, um, that have gone and done the work and been, you know, spoken with the elders and been given rights of initiation and the rights of passage to carry these medicines and not mm. just be, um, you know, somebody who's just taking, yes. um, and, and then, you know, suffering themselves gladly. And then, you know, on the back end, you know, touting all the wisdom that they found, which, I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with that. That is personal experience gained, earned, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, developed within the self. But I think there's something that is to be said about some of these lineages that have worked with say like ayahuasca for thousands and thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of years that yeah. like it goes back as far as they can imagine mm -hmm. with, with their mind's eye and understanding that their ancestors worked with this medicine mm -hmm. that like, that are most likely like there's a, there's a, there's a meme that I saw like, um, I was like probably a couple of months ago, but it flashes every now and then on like throughout Facebook or social media. And it says something to the, the extent of, uh, you are the, like you are the, um, the universe experiencing itself. Through no, it. but like, uh, I think, I think, what did it say? Like it was, um, you are your ancestors prayer. Ooh. Like, um, what they were praying for, what they were singing for, what they were dancing for, mm. um, in recognizing that, you know, before we experienced, you know, the age of industry and the industrial revolution and all of those things that there was a, there was a much simpler task to life. And that was just living. That was mm. being in sustainability and in, in harmony with nature. And then it became, you know, hop on the hamster wheel and feed uncle Sam so that, uh, <laughs> that we can power these bottom line corporations and industry. And then I'll hold on like, wait, 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 we're gonna have like a 20 year long war in Iraq and then, oh, uh, and then not give to go right down the drain. Well, yeah, over but, but to me, like this is this is a functioning of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, this is what the medicine would tell me. Like, mm -hmm. is that um, I'm just here to witness, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not here to um, to control. Um, and there is a catalyst that is delivered from these experiences to the world mm. um, that helps people, I think, in their deeper introspection with identifying their, with their own truth surrounding mm -hmm. a lot of these atrocities, like the, like the war in Ukraine, for instance, mm -hmm. right? Like 
that absolute rubbish that is happening over there that is like, well, like why, mm -hmm. you know? And, and people start to recognize like, wait, like, hold on a minute. Like I can talk to God on mushrooms. <laughs> right? And then, and then you start to like have this, uh, this numinous mystical experience and you start to recognize like, whoa, like you're my brother. Like, you know, I mean, we, we may not share like blood or genetics mm -hmm. in that sense, you know, or like, um, we're all connected, but we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that was one of the most powerful experiences that I've had from plant medicine and is dissolving that, uh, that barrier of self and recognizing that consciousness just is. Yeah. This experience that we're experiencing is um, just maybe just like a glimpse in, in, into like the, the imagination of, mm -hmm. of some kid with a magnifying glass on yeah. some alien's world that's just like, <laughs> you know, like, whoa <laughs> you know? I mean, who knows right like I that's love that it, it's wild i and think that's so valuable and i feel like that is why these substances are so needed and like these these experiences are so needed in order for like all of humanity to just transcend all the bullshit that we're experiencing right now like we, we really do just need to awaken to the fact that we are all connected that we are all each other's brothers and that we can we can actually work together to create world a world that is better for all of us and better for the ecology and just just making sure that everything has more meaning to it. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to shift gears right here to yeah. kind of to talk about the the legislative roadblocks that we're facing totally. right now because I mean you and I are very clearly on the same page. This is so valuable. This is so needed. But what are the roadblocks that are stopping us from like actually decriminalizing this from actually making it happen right now? And how do we overcome those? Yeah, I mean that's really good questions. Um in reality, like, uh, I mean, just like speaking for here in Utah, like we've, we've made, you know, very significant strides in a state, a uh, very red state, mm -hmm. uh, that I would have never imagined, um, you know, some of the officials that I've been speaking with would have been as receptive as they are. Really? Um, that's so good but, to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful, right? Um, I've experienced miracle after miracle after miracle speak, like speaking with some of these representatives and understanding that these people just want to be educated. Mm. That's all they want. They just want to be educated. Um, like, and, and there was like, I'm not going to lie. Like there was this like hidden shadow in my psyche that was like, these people are, these people are my enemies. Yeah. Right. Like uh -huh. I can't trust these people. Yeah. Uh, so it, it creates like combat uh, combative. combative, argumentative where it's like, I have to prove a point. Yeah. You know, when, you, when, when one really starts to kind of settle into this work, we start to realize like, I don't have anything to prove. Like mm. this is like, this is, it speaks like, for itself. this is truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. Um, look at, I mean, look at the science, right? Yeah, like yeah. Johns Hopkins, like all of these different research, uh, and, and journal and like journal entries and, um, articles that have been created specifically for, um, you know, these purposes of enlightenment and illumination for, mm -hmm. uh, for people who say trust the science. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, like it was funny. I was at a, I was at a conference this, like a couple of weeks ago here in Salt Lake city that we did down at the Leonardo It was called the rising consciousness conference. Um, you know, shout out to anybody who attended that, but, mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was really fascinating to see some of these, um, you know, research based scientists that are talking about microdosing and all of these things mm -hmm. and palliative care and how we address depression and all these things. And, um, some of these, uh, wisdom keepers and carriers that are, you know, elders is what I would consider. They, they kind of laugh and chuckle to themselves on stage saying, Oh, you guys are catching up. Yeah. Like said it on stage. <laughs> it was finally hilarious. figuring it out. <laughs> the entire crowd laughed. It was like, yeah. And then, and just recognizing that like science, 
um, is trying to define spirit, I think, mm. more importantly. Like, that's so I mean, that, hard to that, do. Well, yeah. I mean, but like, look at Galileo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, even uh, like Giordano Bruno, right? Like, mm-hmm. some of these iconic figures in history that, um, that understood, you know, like uh, the nature of reality far beyond everybody else and then got labeled heretics and, yep. and criminals and then locked away in their houses, mm-hmm. like their houses for being Galileo or burned at the stake. You know, mm-hmm. Giordano Bruno was born, burned at the stake okay. for, for being like a, or like a, like a hermetic, um, like, yeah, like a hermeticist, mm, you know, he, speaking truth. Yeah. I mean like speaking truth, you know? And so like some of these, some of these plants, like they, and, and just the medicines that are around them, they speak, they speak for themselves. And, and I think the biggest challenge that our elected officials have faced, um, is, is breaking down their own paradigms. Um, mm. and I mean, specifically here in Utah, you know, I think, I think we are a very diverse political climate considering the church, um, and the, like the LDS Mormon church, uh, and their role that they have, the influence that they have here in the state, um, like uh, they are good people, like Mormons are good people, um, but they, I, I, I think that they, they hide themselves from certain aspects of reality until like say science has proved mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like so weird, right? Yeah. Like, And they're like mired by their, uh, their, by their preconceptions of it and they're yeah. just like really, really locking on to those and, yeah. and it's very fear-based too. So, so I, I personally try not to like attach to that like model and like in uh, like of seeking and thinking that these people are going to be um, adverse to being educated mm-hmm. or not wanting to be educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in reality, I mean, um, like, I mean, I spoke with Eric Hutchings, um, like uh, me and my uh, associate spoke with Eric Hutchings. He's a um, longtime legislative um you know, legislator, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, not only in the state of Utah, but he's also done national legislation and things, um, Mm -hmm. uh, who's based in criminal reform and all these things. And he's the the county mayor's, um, like chief strategist, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was so receptive to, to the conversation, just being like, look, man, like I, I think it it was, it was funny because he was, he was kind of picking up on that, just like excitement that's in my voice when I talk with these elected officials and he's like, I'm not your enemy. Like kind of basically just set it out in like this flat out, like Frank way. And I'm like, Mm -hmm that thing. Thank you. Like, like I see you Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I said that to him, like, and just kind of recognized that like, I, I'm not, I'm not your enemy either. This is Mm -hmm. just my excitement. The fact that like, I even get to like have these conversations with you guys is just mind blowing. Honestly, that makes me so happy. That makes me like, it just makes it feel like it's not insurmountable because, and I've also found a very similar situation in my own life at specifically like trying just opening up and communicating and like educating specifically LDS people about this. And what I found is like, they actually tend to be very intrigued and interested, especially when I let them know that like it actually reignited a belief in God. It reignited my spirituality and they, they are often so interested in that, especially if they knew me, like as I left the LDS church and became like atheist and nihilistic and things mm-hmm. like that. And then I directly attribute like my reinvigoration of life and my love for life to psilocybin and to these plants and substances. Um, because And they're always so interested because they're like, wait, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? This is, this is just like a party drug. This is just what the hippies do. And it's like, no. Welcome this, to the propaganda that you bought. Yes, exactly. And, and, just, <laughs> and I, I think I, I love that you point out that at, in the end, at the, wow, at the end of the day, people aren't really trying to be combative. They're just kind of, they've got their own presuppositions. Ignorance kind of, is yes, bliss. Exactly. But then I think once you, once they see your truth, your honesty and how open you are about your experiences with it, they're kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, like, um, it's, it's a fascinating, you know, paradox that I think occurs because 
in in reality, for me personally, um, I have had nothing but spiritual experiences with plant medicine mm-hmm. um, and fungi or cacti. Um, and, you know, I mean, when you go into the Bible, it talks about all seed bearing plants were given to mankind for the benefit of mankind or something mm-hmm. like that. I forget the verse and like how it's actually given, but something similar to that effect. And, yeah. Um, you know, you start to kind of see that these these plants and these uh, I mean, that's where all medicine is derived from. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, is a lot of uh, plants and fungi and understanding um, you know, the, the pharma, like the pharmacies that are found in, in these plants and things, but, um, naivety is dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, apathy is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, apathy being, you know, just not caring, like verge of nihilism. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this is where a lot of people unknowingly live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, they have been satiated by capitalism, been mm-hmm. satiated by, um, religion. you know, religion and dogma. being, yeah, dogma, being told that you need to have five kids and a wife or five <laughs> wives and a kid, yeah. <laughs> like whatever that looks like, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and then just continuing that, uh, you know, just putting another cog on the wheel, just mm-hmm. another cog on the wheel. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like, here's a secret for you and for any any uh, LDS or um, Latter-day Saints that are listening to this. Like, um, I encourage and invite you to look into um, Joseph Smith's use of psilocybin mushrooms. What? This is uh, news to me This right is now. real. Like, I'm, I'm very excited about you this can right now. <laughs> find an article. Uh, like, I have it on my Reddit somewhere. I'll find ah, it and I'll send it to you. Perfect. Uh, I actually posted the, the article um, on the Salt Lake City, um, I think it was the... I think it was the LDS Church's Reddit, like subreddit, mm-hmm. and I got I got banned instantly, instantly banned. <laughs> um, Banhammer hit me hard, and um, and then like I never got any kind of response. Like I oh. I reached out to them, like their moderators, and was like, mm-hmm. um, so did you even read it? Yeah, did you guys even like look into the article or like see how this came out of your guys's archives, like oh, the LDS archives? Lord. Uh, and basically what is it? It is, is it's a story about, um, like how, uh, Joseph Smith dove into just about every single, like occult religion, spiritual secret society, whatever it is that you could think of from Europe to Egypt to everything and mm-hmm. studied all of it. And then all of a sudden Mormonism came about. Wow. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, because I, you know, he had found, um, what like the golden plates in mm-hmm. a log and somewhere in the woods and um hill Kimura or something like that. yeah I, I don't know how you experience that without eating mushrooms yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like that's just i think that's just what is divine things. revelation without these substances yeah. well meditation and breath work <laughs> yes, truly that's true, um, that's true. truly you know but um that's the thing is that um you know when we when we look at some of the ideologies that are prescribed to us mm-hmm. and that we uh, position ourselves with um, in ignorance and mm-hmm. in naivety, uh, we can kind of start to see that paradox or that that uh, canceling effect of of the self, where it's like cognitive dissonance. Or like, wait, like something's not computing correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and you can kind of like recognize that um, that like I mean, when with education, with empowerment, um, 
people can let go of their fear. Mm-hmm. Um, in many indigenous cultures, this is called Wittiko. Mm-hmm. Like Wittiko is uh, the illness that is fear that infects a being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it creates doubt. It creates, you know, um, like shame. negative energy, shame, mm-hmm. guilt, all these things that cloud and surround somebody. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to, for instance, like, you know, being in a red state that is the LDS church's headquarters, um, I don't know how they could really fight us with having such a, like a spiritual claim yeah. and, and experience with these entheogens. I mean, mm-hmm. the word itself, right? Entheogen. And that's why, that's why we designate, you know, the word being entheogen not, and not psychedelic is yeah. because entheogen means the divine from within, mm. right? Like to, to inspire or create the divine from within versus yeah. where psychedelic is, um, I think to create uh, just from within, I don't, I don't I think mm-hmm. from within the psyche and from within the mind. Oh, okay. Um, I see. And like, there's a there's a major delineation between like the the usage and and the, um, like the etymology, like etymology mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's very important, right? Because I mean, language creates our world. Like, yeah. it, it is what defines our reality. And mm-hmm. and especially like, for instance, like when drawing up a bill, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, for instance, like House Bill One Six Seven that was that was introduced in January of twenty twenty two for. Um, it's like the task force. Yeah, this like psychedelic drug task force for mm-hmm. the state of Utah, right? Like, um, essentially, it's um, it seems to be. You know, I just lost my train of thought. It, it seems like it's just very like investigative, and it's not. It's not necessarily. It, I I, well, I, can, I think I can see where you're going with the kind of the point that it's you know it's trying to be it's trying to write down something that is so profound and so beyond words. I know where I was going. Like yeah, Perfect. so I mean, so like with with the language, right? Like because mm-hmm. when when you write a language, like in in House Bill One Six Seven, right? It talks about psychotherapeutic drug, mm. right? That's the language that's put into the bill. Interesting. Versus where like why not just call it an entheogen? Why not yeah. just call it psychedelics? Right. Substance plant. Um, yeah, like and natural medicine, mm-hmm. right? Like call it what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, you can you can see this like this is like kind of the formation of um, you know the opportunity for them like them being the state mm-hmm. uh, or you know so, like certain lobbyist groups that are very deeply embedded with private the state, interests private interests um, that uh, want to come in and try to maybe commodify it yeah right like mm-hmm. look at cannabis and the way that cannabis progressed here in Utah yeah. Um, and and from what I've heard, just from the back backroom chatters and through the grapevine, we'll say is that that this is the state of Utah's attempt to kind of create like an umbrella over all psychotropic, psychotherapeutic drugs and medicines. So mm-hmm. like like cannabis included, mm-hmm. like opiates included, um, psilocybin included, DMT included. So mm-hmm. that um, I had a friend; she called it what it is. A cartel. Yeah, essentially. Uh, right. Uh, and when she said that really hit, I was like, damn, I'm going to take that and yeah. just like write that down. Like <laughs> the state of Utah is creating like a cartel. And it's, it's just setting a precedent and it's just literally lining up the red carpet for this. Yeah. And, and I don't say that story. to kind of create enemies at all. Like, mm-hmm. because I, I know that, you know, that, that, like many different people will end up like, you know, ultimately listening to this and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they do. Um, but it, it's just to kind of set like a a, um, a certain awareness within the consciousness and how we organize ourselves around these medicines mm-hmm. as being a community because yeah. ultimately it comes down to education, yes. right? Just just educating yourself around how these medicines were created and why they were created, why they were stewarded in the way that they have been for thousands and thousands of years. 
and then not adulterating them, not distorting mm-hmm. them with um, new age philosophies or thinkings. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that is, you know, just that's just part of it. Um, and that's why decriminalization is so important into, you know, making sure that um, that when we talk about entheogens, we're talking about plants, we're talking mm-hmm. about fungi, we're talking about cacti, we're not talking about synthetic psilocybin, mm-hmm. right? When, when, I, when people talk about psychedelics, I could be talking about LSD, I could be talking yeah. about ketamine, I could be talking about MDMA, DMT, right? Yeah. And, and, and that leads into issues of purity and that leads into issues of, of like access and equitability mm-hmm. and all these things. But um, yeah, you know, like the state of Utah um, is, is an interesting place. And, and I guess I, I, can, I can touch uh, on, you know, the national conversation briefly is that, um, you know, as an organization, Decriminalize Nature, um, you know, we've had many different conversations with um, the NAC um, and like the National Council for Native American Churches mm-hmm. um, surrounding peyote specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very uh, deeply connected to the Huichol people and the Huichorita people of, mm-hmm. of northern Mexico. Um, and they have entirely different views, right? Like the Huichol people of, of northern Mexico are some of the uh, oldest stewards over peyote, for instance, right? Like mm-hmm. specifically peyote. And peyote has been kind of one of uh, the more controversial, you know, plants, fungi, cacti, you know, in question uh, over the last couple of years because of uh, the like the Native American or American Indian population and, and their, you know, rights of access that was mm-hmm. given to them by the by the American government. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Peyote Act that happened in, I think, in like 1903 or four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we progress this conversation, and this is kind of like parallel to what we're trying to do and accomplish here in Utah, is that... Um, like there are two sets to this, right? Mm-hmm. There is the clinical therapeutic uh, model that w- is inevitable. Uh, and then there is the spiritual community-based ceremonial model uh, and personal sacrament use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the this is kind of in, in, in the similar alignment with how the, how the Native American and American Indians, um, you know, see or treated or utilized peyote from that legal sense and the mm-hmm. framework of the United States government, right? Yeah. Uh, all the bureauc- like bureaucracy and red tape that's in that. Um, and here in Utah, we're kind of like, there was uh, like ONAC, right? Like there is ONAC, uh, ONAC being Aklaveha uh, Native American Church. Oh, okay. Um, created by James Mooney. Um, you know, he's a very interesting, fascinating human. I've got a lot of love for him. Um, what I would say is that uh, like back in 2003, he and his partner Onak also um, was uh, prosecuted by the state of Utah for having like something like over like 20,000 peyote buttons in their possession. Wow. Um, and essentially, um, they won their prosecution against the state of Utah um, and were given rights of access to all non-native members and native members um, so basically, you just have to have a membership to ONAC to uh-huh. have uh, experiences with peyote under a legal setting. Um, and then I think of, like in recent years, he has attempted or has, I'm not sure if he's completed this and, and how legitimate it is, um, and, and people can, can, can do their own research on this, but mm-hmm. I think he's added ayahuasca and psilocybin mm-hmm. and like iboga into that list as far as like use of access under mm-hmm. certain church structures for like under ONAC. Because uh, ONAC is just like a like a like an umbrella, mm-hmm. uh, and so this is kind of like you know queuing up the points, like the different points between understanding like this religion, spiritual, like spiritual spirituality based approach, mm-hmm. um, 
and you know also having like some of these side prongs is understanding like a sovereign true sovereign approach and knowing that we are all indigenous to this earth we are all part of this earth um, and this isn't to like erase or or eradicate any of the indigenous cultures or populations, but it is the I think the acquiescence of self in the moment mm. and recognizing that we are all here now. Yeah. Right. Um, and that we all deserve access um, to mm. these medicines, and and that the stewards were and have been stewards for thousands of years, and that they've been like you know now opened up to being given back, but to what extent, right? Like, mm -hmm. do I have to go and file with the IRS, like a 501c6 or whatever to have a church? A like, an and, and yeah. Gets through the little red Yeah, tape like jump through stuff. all your hoops, right? And it's, um, it's amazing to me that we, that you can outline so many different experiences of how this has happened and how this has worked. And yet we do still have these, like these bullshit red tape, this bullshit, uh, like hoops that we need to jump through when at the end of the day, it should be, I mean, I just, I, I have just this fundamental belief that the, the state, like, should not have any say on what I put in my body at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I mean, agreed. Uh, and, and that is, that is part of the sovereignty, you know, piece mm -hmm. that I, that I, that I really uh, believe in. Um, but I think also that, you know, there, there is a need for, um, I think to some extent, some oversight. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is still like a very sensitive kind of delicate subject for me where I'm like, I'm still kind of trying to find my polarity in it. Yeah. Um, but I think it, at the end of the day, it's like, what do we do with bad actors? Yep. Right. Uh, and, and I think the conversation has kind of evolved into this, this point of understanding that, um, you know, the plants themselves, the fungi themselves, the cacti themselves should never be criminalized. Yes. The access, the use, the, the growth the the you know holding or mm -hmm. like having in possession of should, should never be criminalized we should no longer um, put people in a cage for getting these substances yeah or using them for their own mm -hmm. for their own personal selves right yeah. that the moment that we have a bad actor mm -hmm. right that um rapes somebody or um has some sort of sexual misconduct or overdoses these people mm -hmm. or has like some negative con like you know just mm -hmm. like contraindication that they just didn't pay attention to and there's like negligence mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. okay. um what do we do with those people? Mm -hmm. Right? How do we how do we curb that? Um, and and I think that that's where you know in the conversations that we've had with like the county council and like Eric Hutchings um, being like the strategist for the county and like the county mayor, uh, is that um, like you know like if if uh, Steve uh, or Bobby we'll call him Bobby mm -hmm. right like if if Bobby down the street you know decides to eat mushrooms mm -hmm. um, and has his own personal experience in his mm -hmm. basement. Um, has a psychotic break because mm -hmm. he had underlying mental health in like issues that mm -hmm. were undiagnosed, um, and he, you know, decides to flock naked throughout the neighborhood, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he should probably be, you know, cited for obscenity and indecency. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. I think that's legitimate. I right? think that's the that's the distinction there is like we already have the laws yeah. to to uh, to handle those situations that we are saying that the mushrooms or the uh, the plants and the fungi and the cacti are allegedly creating like we already like if someone rapes somebody we already have laws that mm -hmm. dictate what to do to that with that person yeah. if someone murders someone and like the and trying to use that as like justification for banning a substance just seems so 
so off base to me. Well, it, I think really what it is is it's um it's the the nailing of you to the cross, mm -hmm. right? Because we want to make sure that you don't do this again. This yeah. is the drug war, mm -hmm. right? When really what it is is just it's a it's a war on personal freedom. It's not a war yes. on drugs. It's a it's mm -hmm. a war on consciousness mm -hmm. because the government does not trust us to mm -hmm. make the right decisions mm -hmm. um, because we don't. We've obviously well in their eyes, we have somehow proven that we're not worthy of making our own decisions and our mm -hmm. own choices. Um, they've just kind of taken the power and and ran with it, right? Mm -hmm. When in reality, a democracy is a democracy is a democracy. Like mm -hmm. the the people can like have the command over what like what uh, what is within yeah. the community. I always say we hold um, all the power all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think it just becomes the the point of you know decriminalization becomes you know having the the framework and the access for healthy education and information so that people can educate themselves mm -hmm. so they can make the empowered decisions so that they're not living in you know fear of being prosecuted or uh, whatever and and that's the thing is that the extra charge that mm -hmm. comes along with you know bobby running down the street naked and eating mushrooms mm -hmm. of of eating mushrooms mm -hmm. um that's just that's just their way of of continuing that fear-based model and mentality yep. of taking our power away and saying that, yeah, yep, see, yep. Bobby did it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a way of continuing their control yeah. over us as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's such a valid point. And I, I, I appreciate you bringing up the, uh, the idea of like, yeah, let's say we do uh, get uh, decriminalization. Like, how do we deal with these bad actors? Um, and I think the main thing to focus on in those situations is that by empowering people to have that access and education, and by prioritizing that mm -hmm. education, mm -hmm. that's going to be the main way to make sure that those bad actors aren't really, you know, coming up. I mean, if you yeah. if you essentially fully legalize it and you know make it so that anybody can walk in and take and take these substances with no understanding, no education, no real um, bad things uh, are going to happen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but if you, it sounds like the decriminalization like framework is solely based on let's educate, let's open access and let's make sure that people are actually going to be able to use these substances in a way that are, that is fully beneficial to Yeah. I mean, and, and just kind of like, because you said that like, um, like decriminalized nature as an organization, as a national bodied organization, mm -hmm. we've, we've come together and created like a, like a seven step process of building a safe, healthy and responsible oh. pr approach to, to yes. use in an urban community, yes. like use in an urban community. Mm -hmm. uh, and those seven steps are, like information mm -hmm. being first and foremost, number one, number two, education. Uh, and then in three is preparation, four is application. Uh, and then it goes integration, implementation. And the last step is reciprocity. Oh, that's like, so good. Right. Like recognizing that there that. is a, uh, like a, like a flow chart almost to this, mm -hmm. to where people can have safe, healthy, responsible access to these plants to where um, they're not putting themselves in harm's way. Mm -hmm. um, the the very fact that the that these medicines are criminalized creates a shadow in which people mm -hmm. who actually have the information um, uh, can't openly come out and advertise because mm -hmm. their their fear of being you know prosecuted or yep. criminalized and having mm -hmm. their lives ruined. Uh, like Bobby, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Which, Bobby didn't ruin his life. He had a mental health break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and sorry to interject, but like, that's honestly why I value you and value your work so very much because it, it really is a shadowed space right now where yeah. people are afraid to stand up and it's so needed because these substances are so vitally important to our emotional, social, and spiritual well-being. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so so ultimately, just kind of you know closing off on the the picture of the the state and national and how we're moving forward is is really um, you know creating that empowerment piece uh, and 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 what it looks like honestly right now and in, in working with our local officials here for the state of Utah um, is very promising. I mean, we've had. Um, like like Anne Granado is is our is our county councilwoman here currently for at least my my district here and mm-hmm. in, in, and I'm her constituent. Uh, she's she's given us a yes. Nice. Like we support like where you're coming from with all this. Mm-hmm. Like a full bodied yes, which was epic to receive. Awesome. Uh, and then the following day, we met with Representative Brian King, who is a representative of the House of Representatives for the state of Utah. I'm, uh, I'm also his constituent. Uh, thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> uh, he was like one of also the, like the most receptive that I've that we've met with. You know, oh. and just being like, yeah, like let's let's do this and let's do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and understanding that there is a coalition based approach to this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the medical clinical model and then you know the community based ceremonial model mm-hmm. that's the coalition um, and recognizing the importance of both and not leaving out uh, the decrim piece or the language for those because um, without the decrim language it becomes commodification it yes. becomes that process for venture capital to come mm-hmm. in for the dr bronners of the world the mm-hmm. new approaches to come into the world like the new approach pack is the lobbyist group that has pretty much pushed every single cannabis legislation and and recreational like state program through uh, the governments in, in in the states that have and provided hundreds of thousands of dollars towards the initiatives to um, to basically write these bills and support their bills the way that they see them versus mm-hmm. um, actually like caring for the indigenous steward um, you know aspect of of, of, of of like what decrim nature's ethos is mm-hmm. um, you know and so I, I honestly I, I feel like the future looks very promising. Um, for I'm plant so medicine, um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's 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 odd, you know. Like I'm, 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 I'm like excited, but I'm still kind of like in that that like a doubtful space. Not doubtful at all. Uh-huh. Like just oh, good. Um, just not ready to celebrate yet. Oh, that makes like sense. you yeah. know like it, apprehensive. N- not not even apprehensive. It's just like careful mm. like not cautious mm-hmm. but careful yeah right like that's needed yeah, yeah it really is because you know there is a lot of uh, baggage that we're having to tiptoe around and having to well having to wade through really yeah. and uh I, th- I think that's very warranted so it makes yeah. sense yeah so i mean like in the future what it looks like honestly is like um you know we're, we're looking to create like a docuseries for the decrim nature team specifically mm-hmm. to where uh we can kind of feature you know, specific aspects of individuals like healing journeys, mm-hmm. whether it's through depression or ADHD mm-hmm. or, um, you know, being like a men- mental health issue, or even if it's just looking at cognitive liberty and mm-hmm. wanting to expand your consciousness uh, and and kind of grow more deeply into yourself and into the universe and the experience that is this, you know, whatever this is, mm-hmm. simulation, who knows, <laughs> you know, so... Um, that and then you know like um creating you know harm reduction models you mm-hmm. know like that's really that's really going to be the deepening of this uh of this over the long run is is how do we educate and create harm reduction for our community um to ensure that we are caring in the most compassionate uh loving aware conscious way that is mm-hmm. grounded uh, and that we're not just, you know, looking to uh, grow a bottom line. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's really kind of what it grow, like what it what it boils down to. And um, I th- I honestly think that uh, that we have a real shot at creating that. You know, like mm-hmm. creating that balanced model. Um, because otherwise, I mean, like 
that we're going to see things like Tom Eckert happen. Tom mm-hmm. Eckert being like the, he was the, uh, the chairman of the board for the psilocybin therapy program up in Oregon. Mm. Um, he also had his hands in the company that I think the state of Oregon chose to um, be the training uh, facility wow. and, and everything for all See. the therapists and yeah. facilitators, right? Sort and so he was basically like, lining his pockets uh-huh. like here let me just like carve out this niche in my market in my yeah. industry real quick and then when he got called out on his conflicts of interest he resigned from the board and from the chair uh, of this of the state program and uh, it became very readily apparent that um that corruption does exist in our, in our governments <laughs> and that there and are conflicts and of it's interest. actually rewarded very often yeah well uh yeah in a, in a kind of roundabout way and so that's that's mm-hmm. kind of just what we want to protect against and and awesome. and that's what it that's what it really kind of looks like so. that's so important i'm really glad to hear that because yeah. i mean specifically that that decriminalization is not the end. Like it's it's not just like, oh yeah, once once we decriminalize these substances, everything's gonna be better. It's all about that harm reduction model and making sure that people are actually utilizing this in a in a very uh, meaningful and valuable way so that we can actually make very meaningful systemic change in our lives and in our in our culture. Yeah, in our world for sure. Awesome. Um, so to kind of just finish this out, I wanted to, uh, you know, like see if there's anything that any of our listeners can do to make sure that, uh, they can aid and assist in this, because I know a lot of people who, who really do find, uh, like, uh, entheogenic plants, fungi, and cacti to be very, very valuable to them um, and are either just afraid to speak up or really don't know what to do mm-hmm. in order to make meaningful change and meaningful impacts. So uh, what are some things that people can do in order to in order to really get this movement um, where we want it to be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as like just for the state of Utah, um, you know, reach out to our organization, um, send us an email, um, info at decriminalizeslc.org. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, well, and, you know, show up to our meetings. We, we have monthly meetings, uh, depending on the location. Sometimes it's down here in Salt Lake. Sometimes it's, uh, it's, uh, in like the Provo area. Um, but, uh, we are looking for more involvement from our community. Um, at this point, our organization has transitioned to the state level organization. We are no longer just decriminalized SLC. Uh, we are decriminalized nature, Utah. Yes. Uh, and so ultimately what we are looking for, uh, are for individuals in each of the di- like the, like the districts um, throughout the counties um, to kind of show up uh, and and start to make their voice known. Um, what I can tell you is that there's honestly nothing to be afraid of. Like mm. um, there's nothing illegal about uh, information or education, um, and and I think that's one of the most important things to 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 share and and understanding and and inviting people into this space is that. If you're speaking from past experience, um, there's not really uh, an ability for them for them to prosecute you. So, mm-hmm. if you're sharing testimony about how these things changed your life for the better, I think that they'd be hard pressed to pr- like to prosecute you for that, as mm-hmm. long as you weren't like a bad actor, or, yeah. you know, had exterior or like ulterior motives and things. But um, you know, aside from that, like. Um, I would say, you know, to get involved is to understand um, like state politics and I guess like how it runs. Um, session starts in January of every year, mm-hmm. uh, closes in March. Okay. Um, and then pretty much the rest of the year is spent in administrative uh, managerial duties amongst the staff members throughout the state of Utah and uh, the different municipalities and, and handling, you know, resolutions and initiatives and House bills and Senate bills and things. But um, ultimately, like, um, you know, when January comes around, 
uh, again, um, you know, we're going to need uh, people to share their testimony to the committees that are, you know, necessary for when we draft these bills. Like we, like I mentioned, like we are looking at drafting uh, two different bills, and 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 in that process, you know, we're going to need testimony from our community um, to come out and speak to the to the importance of both sides of this, um, and and that also looks. Uh, very similar at the municipal level. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get involved at the municipal level, like like I said, you can you can reach out to to myself directly at the organization uh, through that email, and we can get you all of the documents and supportive uh, texts so that you can um, bring yourself into alignment with this material, and then um, you know start advocating for your own district, your own city, your own municipality. And that really honestly just looks like um, going to the city city or county council meetings, depending on, on what level you're advocating for um, and making sure that you're advocating and not being like an activist. Like yeah. um, activists throw Molotov cocktails, advocates <laughs> don't. We push legislation. Uh-huh. Um, kind of a funny little zinger there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, like really getting involved and just like just just going and sitting down and like and and and, and taking a minute to sit at the like at the county council meetings mm-hmm. is like a fascinating experience. Yeah, it's like what is this? This is like just like, appreciating like what all has to happen in order just these ancient forums that are now modernized you know and and so it kind of it's like an experience in and of itself and if you're really passionate about this work i think it'll be something that really kind of turns you on because you can see the process of how this happens uh and then really getting involved just looks like recognizing who your uh representative is like Mm -hmm. for the county or the city council um, or, you know, the representative state level, there are websites for the state of Utah or on the state of Utah website that, uh, you can, you know, get in touch with your representatives, um, and, and, you know, essentially send them emails. Mm -hmm. Um, we have an email template and structure that's been built out for our constituents here in Utah that contains a vast amount of research, um, and studies that have been, you know, uh, compiled for this purpose of sending to our representatives to say, Hey, like, you know, go through all this information and educate yourself. And just so you know, like I'm an advocate, awesome. you know, I, I could testify around this. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that, that people can do, do to involve, but I think that's like kind of the, the basics of it is like, you know, reach out to the organization, send us an email, get involved, show that you care. And, um, you know, build this movement yeah everybody determines their own level of involvement Mm, yeah project mayhem perfect (laughs) awesome well i really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today dimitri uh this has been extremely valuable to me and i really hope that uh, this is valuable for you and and i hope that we can really um make some big big strides and changes here because uh, i know it's just been so very very important and valuable in my own life and so I know I need to be an advocate as well. So appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Thank you so much for having me awesome. on and uh, looking forward to maybe one more in the future. Oh, one. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And now I have you on the, on the mic for that. So you, uh, you now have to do it. That's Ex- excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much.